now it's time to put Melissa on. So Melissa Carney is going to talk to us now about her um, bridging the distance between PCB and other people or parts of PCB from one to another, or I don't know what she's going to talk about, but it's going to be bridging in any event. (laughs) Well, thank you. Can everyone hear me okay? Yep. Great. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Melissa. I wish we could all be in person today, uh, working together to find our meeting rooms, clashing canes in the hallways, uh, setting up play dates for our guide dogs. Um, but since we are meeting virtually, I will have you all on the phone for about a half hour here. Um, I'm happy to join you as and you make your dinners, as you take your guide dogs out to the bathroom, however else. Um, you are spending your Friday night. Um, And I'll make sure to leave a few minutes um, at the end of my presentation for any questions. When people think about vision loss, they usually think about darkness, deprivation, and roadblocks. They ask a million questions in their heads about how to proceed, always winding up with the same answer. I am not sure. To many, losing your sight, whether in childhood or adulthood, is devastating. Sometimes you have advanced warning of your predicament, and sometimes you do not. Even those who are born blind may struggle to fit into a society that relies heavily, almost explicitly, on visual feedback and context. But what if we were to think about a loss as a gain in disguise? What if we made a list in our minds of the things that we felt we could not do, the things that seemed impossible without sight, and instead of crossing them out, we asked ourselves why we have to cross them out in the first place? Why should we count ourselves out so easily? Why does losing our vision mean that we must give up our passions, dreams, and goals in life? if our minds and hearts have not changed. Instead of asking why our past has come to this, we could ask, how can we move forward? Half the battle is proving to others that we can hold aspirations and live independent and fulfilling lifestyles. But the other half of the battle, and the part that must come first, is proving that to ourselves. We must find confidence in our abilities the aspects that make us unique. Bridging the distance does not always refer to physical places or interpersonal relationships. We often must bridge the divide between our condition and our emotional response, our immediate predicament and our self-respect in the long term, our frustration and our perseverance. These bridges do not grow overnight. It wouldn't be fair to sugarcoat the challenges we endure or minimize our physical and emotional journeys as individuals, but it would also not be fair to ignore a door that hasn't been opened or close a door that has yet to be explored. As Helen Keller once said, you do not need sight to have vision. I'm going to share my story to shed some light on how I came to embrace my blindness and how I plan to carry that positive attitude through my work here at the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind. 
I grew up in the small town of Deep River, Connecticut. By small town, I mean no sidewalks, chain restaurants, or public transportation, one accessible street crossing, and a high school graduation class of only about 160 students or so, including kids from two other neighboring towns. I lost on my sight to bilateral retinoblastoma, a form of eye cancer, when I was two years old. I was the only person with a physical disability in my school district. I did not meet another blind person for years, nor did I learn terms such as accessibility and the ADA. To put it simply, at that time, I felt alone. I felt like an outcast, and I had no idea how to express my frustration to those who I felt could not understand. Fortunately, even when I was tempted to give up on myself out of the frustration that I did not belong, my parents never gave up on me. Instead, they drove me to horseback riding lessons and gymnastic practice. They watched me trot around and somersault to my heart's content because even if they could not understand a life without sight, they definitely understood joy, a joy that transformed into empowerment for their blind daughter. Horseback riding was the initial gateway to accepting my blindness. In it, I found a passion, a hobby, that placed me on a level playing field with my sighted peers. I was defined as a horseback rider, a person, before my disability. Once I was able to separate my identities, I was able to remodel my self-perceptions. I began to see myself as a person who happened to horseback ride and who happened to have a disability. My disability did not define everything about me. I cannot lie and say that this was the foolproof solution. After all, I was a child and then a teenager who was obsessed with fitting in. For the longest time, I felt ashamed of my cane, frustrated that it highlighted my differences and not my accomplishments. However, in high school, I was selected to attend a week-long leadership and community service training for people with all sorts of disabilities. During our first workshop, our counselor asked, what has your disability taught you? I was stumped. Naturally, I thought of all of my struggles, all the painful moments in which I was discriminated against, like how I was the last person to be picked for a group project, like how I wasn't invited to all the popular kids' parties because I couldn't play on their sports teams. But then I thought of something else, that I'm still standing tall. My grades and community service earned me a spot in a competitive program at the University of Connecticut's campus. What is the prevailing theme in all my struggles then, because of my disability, that enables me? It is perseverance, a willingness to try no matter how many times I am knocked down, a drive to forge across the bridges in my path so that I may erase the chasms of my own self-doubt. Without fully realizing it, 
I turned every challenge, every mistake into an opportunity to grow. I hesitated only a few seconds before answering my counselor. And I said, my disability has taught me the value of determination. And it has also taught me how to problem solve. Through that week of leadership training, I not only learned how to advocate for my own rights and accommodations, but how to collaborate with others who experience similar challenges. I found strength in my own voice and helping others find theirs. I found strength in the power of numbers, human empathy, and teamwork. That one week was my first introduction to the meaning of community, the meaning of motivating one another to the point where you can confidently stand on your own as a collective group, but also as individuals. I took this newfound determination and ran with it. Since life is all about defining and redefining yourself, I chose to adjust my self-perception once again. I was a person first and someone who happened to have a disability, but I was beginning to have pride in that part of my identity. I actively referred to myself as a person with a disability rather than avoiding it because I knew that with confrontation came acceptance. When finally able to interact with others from my community, I began to ask questions, embrace my disability fully, and step out of my comfort zone. I came to know the transformation of adversity into success. I felt inspired to break away from my small town and the boxes I was placed in by default as the only per person with a physical disability in my area in order to find ways to educate society about disability pride. I attended Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts where I became a peer mentor for students with disabilities. Like many college students, I fought against inaccessible course materials and even a professor who refused to allow my guide dog in class. This professor asked me to leave my accessible seat near the door after I had already set up my assistive technology and move to the opposite end of the classroom. He then went on a 15-minute rant about how if my dog happened to misbehave and lick him, he might have an allergic reaction. It was a guilt trip. During attendance, he referred to me as Melissa, the one with the dog. I was shocked and embarrassed. I wanted to sweep this incident under the rug, change classes with the registrar, and enjoy the last semester of my senior year. Instead, I thought about other students with disabilities, with service dogs, who might sign up for a class with this professor in the future. I thought of someone else being singled out for their disability and made to feel as though they did not belong in a classroom. And I reported this professor for public discrimination. I had to file multiple documents spend hours recounting my story over and over, and sacrifice a few social events. In the end, the professor was found legally guilty of discrimination. I tell you this story to demonstrate that 
even when advocacy and outreach seem tiring and pointless. If you truly dedicate yourself to the cause, you may be surprised at how many will fight by your side and how many individuals you may save from similar experiences. While scenarios such as the one I described may have sparked certain emotions and difficult conversations, I continue to advocate for equal access for the benefit of my community, for the benefit of those who do not yet have the resources to speak out. Every victory is not just a victory for myself, but for my community. With that philosophy in mind, I interned for both IBM's accessibility team and the National Council on Independent Living, navigated the streets of both Boston and Washington, D.C., advocated for legislation that would impact the blind community on Capitol Hill, traveled to multiple leadership seminars and conventions for disability rights from Florida to Las Vegas, and so on. All the risks that I took all the mentors, mentees, and friends that I met carried me to this point in my life. Don't get me wrong. I still make mistakes. There are times when I wish I would have spoken up. For example, just last night, someone silently walked past me while their dog tried to lunge towards my guide dog. I wish I would have told him to speak up when he is passing someone who's blind and not distract a working dog. There are times when I do not measure the depth of a curb correctly and end up falling and scraping up a knee. There are even times when I keep talking before realizing that the person I'm with has walked away. I think most of us have been there. Being blind is not glamorous, nor should it be. What is the fun in doing everything perfectly? How then would we learn how to take the road less traveled by? If you would have asked 10-year-old me, a small-town girl from Connecticut, what accessibility looked like, I would not have had an answer. Now, over a decade later, I'm still gathering those answers, but I know for certain that the roots of accessibility lie in community growth, compassion, and perseverance. I'm thrilled and honored to serve as a director of outreach and engagement for PCB and represent my fellow peers. I continue to emphasize the importance of individuality, meeting every single person where they are and helping them move forward in whatever ways suit them best. I continue to build and form new relationships with community partners, such as university disability offices, PAB agencies, centers for independent living, and even local equestrian centers and adaptive sports organizations in order to spread awareness of PCB and strengthen collaborations for common goals. I continue to brainstorm outreach projects in which we can educate our communities about topics such as best practices for interacting with blind patients and healthcare settings, public behavior towards service dogs, and accessible voting. As we explore the future, I want to make sure that all our peers' voices are heard.
that we touch on all the issues that are important to you. I want to make sure that even if we cannot meet in person, we can continue to find innovative ways to connect virtually. I believe that community outreach and engagement are the keys to sharing our resources, passion and compassion, and combining our skill sets. Alone, we are a force to be reckoned with, but together, we are unstoppable. One person can build a bridge with time, but a group can build that bridge faster and lay the foundation for other bridges along the way. Life is a series of bridges, rivers, mountains, valleys, and other landmarks that have not yet been mapped out. But the world seems a lot less vast when we can traverse that distance together. And I am personally excited for that journey. Thank you. Well, thank you for that that um, speech or that way of getting us to know you better. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to take any questions with our remaining time. Uh, phone number ending in 276. You may unmute. Melissa, this is Marianne. I don't have a question. I just wanted to tell you how awesome I thought your presentation was and what an insight it, it gave me into who you are and from where you come. I just thought it was um, amazing and, and awesome. And thank you. Thank you so much. Melissa, I... Uh also congratulate you on uh, how you put things and most especially I want to thank you for reminding us all that when we advocate we are not just advocating for ourselves but for those who come after us I think that's some something that we all need to always keep in mind thank you thank you absolutely Okay, Laura, Laura, you should be able to unmute. Hi, Melissa. Good evening. Um, I just want to say thank you for your story. It was really well done. Thank you, Laura. It's great to hear your voice. You're welcome. Well, this is Jeannie, and I did stick around. And, Melissa, I think you did a great job. You started out, and you got me right away, so I said, yeah, I'm going to stick around for this. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Donald Dunn, you may unmute. Hi. First of all, I do want to just you know, say great presentation, and I want to thank you for the work that you do. Um, myself, I've also faced some discriminating things over the years, and there are times I wished I had done things better because I also had an instructor when I was in a community college that uh, said, well, blind people can't be in my class. They really don't belong in my class. And unfortunately, nobody there would, you know, really help me. And there was times I wish I had maybe done things better, not only just for myself, but to help others just as you have done. So you're definitely an inspiration. Well, thank, thank you. you for that. Thank you. I know it's it's sometimes very tough to be your own ally. I, I definitely experienced my fair share of that. Even in college, I was the only um, blind student. There were other students with, with disabilities, but I was the only um, visually impaired student. 
Um, and it was it was definitely tough at first finding that support network. Um, I really had to do a lot of extra work to seek out some mentorship um, and, and seek out um, those who had gone through similar experiences so that I could learn from them and, and not feel discouraged and not give up. And, and again, really just that motivating factor for me was just knowing that if I don't solve this now, um, other people could go through it and I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. So that's, that's been a motivating factor in, um, in much of my life and many of my life experiences. Well, thank you for that. You're an inspiration. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Phone number ending in seven, five, eight. You can unmute. Hi, excuse me. Hi, Melissa. It's Barbara Marks. Your speech was very inspirational and really enjoyed listening to it. Thank you so much. It's great to hear from you. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to thank you for all the help that you've been giving me, uh, for this conference. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's my pleasure. The one line, and I'm sure probably almost everybody has gotten it when somebody finds out that you're blind and they say, well, uh, who, who, who do you live with or where do you live? I said, well, I have my own apartment, but how do you do that? How to buy yourself? I'm sure everybody has probably gotten that line at one time. What do you suggest for an answer? So I think for, for anyone, even someone who's sighted, it's a lot to say, okay, move out, figure out your finances, <laughs> find a job, get your own apartment, pay your bills. Um, like with a lot of things, I think that preparation has to start in stages, no matter how old you are, whether you're a young adult moving out on your own, whether you're just losing your sight and um, you're staying with your family and want to move out on your own when, when you feel prepared. It all starts in stages. So maybe, um, you know, you, you talk about how to manage your bank account in an accessible way so you feel comfortable paying off future bills. Um, I, you know, I, I think I gave the wrong impression. I'm oh. saying when somebody asks you, how, how, do you, how can you do that? You're blind, like get along in oh, your own apartment gotcha. by yourself. Mm-hmm. So I always just answer, blind people can do anything. Do you have any other suggestions to say? Yeah. Sorry for my misinterpretation. Um, Yes. So I would give a similar answer. I would say blind people. um, I think I was was talking to someone else today who had a, a question about the conference, and she asked me, how do I define disability? And I said, in a lot of ways, it's just about being differently abled. You're not disabled. You're just differently abled. You're just, you just do things in a different way. Mm-hmm. You may do the same things, but you just do them differently. So I would say just like, you know, any sighted person can, can go out on their own, get their own apartment, uh, get dressed in the morning. We can do the same exact things. It may just look a little differently um, for us. Like we may need, for for example, if we're getting dressed in the morning, we just may need to uh, memorize the color of our clothing or use color identifying apps and such. Uh, If we're getting our own apartment, we might just have to put more consideration into making sure that there's accessible transit in the area and details like that. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's just all about doing things the same thing, just in a different way. That's the answer. Have, that have you ever been asked that? I've been asked so many, so many questions similar <laughs> to that. Absolutely. It's, those are, those are very, very uh-huh. common questions. And I, I usually give that, that same answer. Like any, anything uh-huh. you do, 
I can probably do. I just do it differently. And even if it takes me more time, even if it takes more consideration and more planning, I can still Uh do it. That's great. And the thing that amazes me uh, for when I hear uh, that there's uh, mountain climbers, blind mountain, they run marathons and all that, that amazes me. So, but, you know, they learn to do it. Yeah, if, you, if there's a will, there's a way. As cliche as that expression is, it's so true. <laughs> oh, I, I say that all the time. <laughs> I try to live by that. Yep, good. Thank we've you. Got, we've got several hands raised, um, some on the panel. So those that are on the panel, you'll have to unmute yourself. But while you're doing that, we'll let Mike Gravit unmute and make his comment. Go ahead, Mike. Hi, Melissa. It's Mike Gravit from Pittsburgh. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I, I don't have any specific questions. Just wanted to comment. Uh, I, I, like many others on here, feel like you've done a, a great job today. Um, just just to put in a plug for the ACB Scholarship Committee, I've actually known of Melissa uh, for a few years as my hat uh, as part of that National Scholarship Committee. And I think it's a testament to, to how important our scholarship program is to, to getting people into our organization, both on a national and, as you can see now, on a state level. So, uh, and actually transported you here from uh, Connecticut, which is even more incredible. But, but so, just want to say thank you. Glad you're here and glad you're uh, a part of PCB. Thank you so much. This is Julianne, Melissa. I just wanted to commend you on, again, a nice presentation this evening. And I'm so thrilled to see that we have someone who can speak to the community with such eloquence. Um, you know, we have many people on uh, at PCB that are terrific advocates and self-advocates. But to have that voice that you just described on how you um, work in a community that didn't understand blind people at all. Uh, and what you went through in order to, uh, again, supply the support for others with disabilities. I think that's a terrific message for empowerment for all of us. And I thank you for uh, sharing that message with us tonight. Thank you. We have Katie. You can unmute. Sorry about that. It takes me, it takes me a minute. That's okay. To unmute. Um, I just wanted to say that I, I liked your uh, um uh, speech and everything like that. It kind of reminded me of me a little bit. Um, wanted to um, um, kind of be on on your own, on your own because um, my parent, my parents, um, well, particularly my dad, said, "How will you, you know, manage your money and stuff like that?" And and I'm like, I I be able to manage manage my money and stuff like that but I really liked it well thank you so much and um I know sometimes having having those conversations with your your family and your friends can be you know pretty intimidating um but as long as you have people in your life who are willing to have those conversations with you that's the first step and then you you both can together work out the details from there and, and make sure that, that you have the support and those resources along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I do have good friends. Just, just right. at the time, time, my, 
my dad thought thought I wouldn't be able to live on my own and manage manage my mon- money. Right. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You keep powering through. <laughs> okay, this is Carla Hayes. And I just want to, first of all, I want to compliment you on your presentation. And you're truly an asset to the organization. But I have a question. I've been blind since birth. But there are still days, I have a can-do attitude, and I try to persevere and do things. But there are days that, and I'm sure we all have it, that you you feel like a second-class citizen. You feel like you just, you don't know, it, it just seems like you, you'll, you never feel good enough or you feel inferior. You don't feel like you can ever do it as well, whatever it is, as a sighted person. And you just feel really demoralized. I'm sure we've all been there. Do you have any suggestions about those situations? Yes, uh, I can relate 100%. Um, I I try to look at it as as many days knock us down. We have just as many to lift us up. Um, and what I what I try to do when I'm having those bad days, I it's so easy to start thinking about the day before and and think about okay, what was everything was so good yesterday, and you kind of think of that that plummet and that descent. Um, what I try to do is I try to look ahead. So what I'll do is, you know, if I know that society is not going my way, um, that I'm not having a, a, you know, a good time and things just aren't going the way that I want them to, what I'll do is I'll, I'll kind of, you know, seek out validation or seek out things I know put me in a better state of mind so that I can better address those issues and go forward and face them with more, you know, more fight the next day. So, you know, I might listen to my favorite music. I might, you know, call a friend, ask them to tell me a funny story. Um, you know, I, I might call my parents back home and, and share a few laughs with them and hear about what my dog's up to. Um, you know, it's just it's as simple as that, just seeking out certain things that don't even necessarily relate to your disability, but put you in that happier mindset. Um, and then once, once you kind of lift yourself up, you can look at those those challenges and those issues in a more positive light. Come back with them to them with a fresh a fresh mind, a fresh head, and kind of address them head on. And you know, some issues aren't going to be solved overnight, um, but that's why we work at them. That's why we try to you know as best as we can balance out those challenges and those hardships with things that bring us joy. On that note, I think. It's safe to say that Melissa has given us all a, a boost and a positive way to proceed forward. 